The winds are picking up in Cuba. No, I'm not speaking of hurricanes. I'm talking about the gospel winds that are sweeping through the country as many are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Today on the Great Stories podcast, I want you to meet a man of Cuban descent who is taking the reins of Haven's Spanish broadcast, El Faro de Redención. His name is Danny Rojas, and he's been serving in pastoral and ministry roles for over 25 years. Today is the new director and speaker of El Faro. Danny is motivated to share Christ-centered, grace-focused content along with the voice of the Cuban church so that many in Cuba, as well as across the Spanish-speaking world, can find life, new life, and rest in Christ. In just a moment, you'll learn more about this new era of ministry, but you'll also get to hear Danny's story, as well as what he saw when he visited his parents' home country for the very first time last week. So let's get started. And as they would say in Cuba, and I'll give it a shot, ahora comencemos. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me on this program, Gospel Winds in Cuba. And we're broadcasting from outdoors. And my brother in Christ, Danny Rojas, you'll be with us to pray in a little bit. And hopefully soon you're going to be Dr. Rojas. But first, where are you from and how did you get here? That's a great question. I'm from Miami. My parents are Cuban. They came over in the early 60s. And I was born in 1970 in the city of Miami, Florida. That's where I grew up. And, well, I've been a pastor for over 20 years. I have a master's degree in theological studies, and I'm working on a doctorate in pastoral theology at the moment. But I happened to meet Dan Warren on Facebook. We became friends. We commented on each other's pictures through mutual friends. And one day he just asked me if I was Cuban. And I said, well, my parents are Cuban. And he told me about a program that he did called El Faro de Redención. And he said, it's a program for Cuba. It's for Cubans. And he thought it would be cool if I checked it out. So I did. And then we started talking about music and other things. And he found out that I'm a singer and songwriter as well. So he asked me about my music. He put it on the program and found that one of the songs really resonated with, with him. And he wanted to have a conversation about it. So I came on the program to talk about one of my songs that's based on the Heidelberg Catechism Question 1. And we had a great program. It was wonderful, but I didn't think anything of it. But maybe, I don't know, four months later, I get a text message from Dan saying that he's been called to full-time ministry and he needs to find a replacement. And it seemed like I would be the right person. So I met with him and that meeting went really well. I met with you, Charles, the very next day. and. We had a great conversation, and, and, it, and it was just such an amazing moment where it just felt like God had set everything up. And I remember how you said to me, well, I suppose you're going to want to pray about this and talk to your wife. And to be truthful, I wanted to tell you, no, I don't need to pray about this. I'm ready to go. But we did. And we prayed that night, and I talked to my wife, and we both felt that it was from the Lord. So I called you the next day, and, um, well... Here we are. I should tell everybody as well, Danny Rojas, he's been a Baptist pastor for a decade in the Miami area. He's also taught Bible at the oldest Christian school in Miami. And also he's been a chaplain to people as well. Your parents were from Cuba, but your parents were believers too. 
How did they meet? Well, my parents, Charles, were actually the first believers in their homes. And they lived in different towns in Cuba, in the eastern part of Cuba called Oriente. That means east. My dad came to faith in Christ through a pastor that came and shared the gospel with him. My mom through a vacation Bible school that was put on in her little uh, town in Cuba. But as they became teenagers and then older teenagers, they both felt the call to prepare for ministry. So they both happened to go to the same seminary called Los Pinos Nuevos, that means the New Pines. And that's a, an evangelical seminary in Oliver, Cuba where men and women were not allowed to talk to each other, Charles. This was old days, pre-revolution. Yes. Uh, I get yes, the picture yes, in yes. my mind. They probably weren't allowed to dance either, even holy dancing. Oh, no. No kind of dancing. <laughs> no, they couldn't, they couldn't even look at each other. I mean, it was frowned upon. But my mom and dad happened to ride back to their part of the country on a bus, the same bus. And I think my dad had, his, had set his eyes on my mother, so he sat next to her all the way back, and they would talk, talk about what they were learning, talking about, about school and sharing stories. And after their second bus ride together, my dad said, hey, you know, you and I, we get along really well. We should get married. And my mom said, are you crazy? We just met. And my dad said, well, I think it would work. And it's been 62 years. Wow. Yeah, so wow. They, they got married in, in 1960, at the end of 1960, and probably the very next year, one of my dad's professors invited him over to Costa Rica to help them with uh, some translation, some, some work that they were doing that would be of benefit to the Cuban people. So my dad and mom went over, intending to stay there for about three months. But while they were there, they received a letter from my grandmother on my mom's side saying, maybe you ought to stay away. Things are getting rough here in Cuba. And so they didn't go back. And it was one of those things that, that was painful for them. My parents didn't get to see their, their parents alive except for my mom who got to see her dad before his death, maybe 20 years later. Mm. It was a long time of separation. And then your dad went on to Latin American missions well, as a publishing director then, yes. That's right, and that's, I think that's the, the interesting thing in all of this. So my dad went over to the United States with my mom and they started working for a company called Logoy, which was uh, producing Christian literature in Spanish. But then he was called as the first director of Latin American mission publications. And my dad became a pioneer in Christian Spanish evangelical publishing. And that's your heritage that you bring to us today. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, we've been here in Cuba about a week. We've been teaching Philippians and Christ in all the scriptures. We met with 50 pastors and their spouses. And it was really amazing to be able to get into the book of Philippians, just that kind, open letter where the soul and the personality of Paul are revealed more than any other place. It was not just fun, Danny, was it? It was good for us, good for our souls to teach Philippians. Yeah, my goodness. It was, I'm going to say it was life-changing. It was life-changing because as we, as we really prepared for this teaching and we meditated on it, it just felt like God was preparing us to bring a message that we knew that the Cuban pastors and the Cuban people needed to hear. And I think we saw, we saw the evidence in the way they responded to it, didn't we? We really did. I mean, we've been meeting with people that are born again, but almost every single pastor that we uh, taught but also got to know had an amazing story, didn't they, of how the Lord broke into their life. Yes, 
I mean, we were talking to people that came from a strong legalistic background. And as they heard us talking about the grace of God, that really resonated with them. I mean, it was, it was an amazing thing. People that came from, from backgrounds where, where the focus is on, on holiness, which is not a bad thing, of course, but an exaggerated, like I said, legalistic type of holiness. And when they came to talk to us afterwards, I mean, there were tears, there was joy. And it was beautiful. And we were broken as well. And we repented together of our sins. And we found grace together, didn't we? I should also add that we held this at a resort. Now, a resort in Cuba is not exactly like a resort in other places where many of our listeners would have gone perhaps at some point in their life. For this, we were paying $35 a night for a couple. All you could eat. Hunger is great. And to just watch those pastors and spouses, many of them very thin because of the lack of food, and they were filling their plates. They were heaping with food, food that they had not had in their homes for a very long time because of all the crisis, the hardship that's being endured right now in Cuba. And so we were not only getting to feed the Word of God to them and how to preach the Word of God and how the Word of God can speak to them, but also at the same time, we were feeding them bread. Yeah, it was amazing. I think that was one of the things that really, really touched me is to see how much it mattered to them to have this time. They work so hard. I mean, the work for them is not just the ministry work. It's getting in line to get food. It's having to run and to, to beat the crowds to pick up food and hope that it doesn't run out by the time it gets there. And here they are with us. And, and like you said, they're, they're being fed the word of God, but they're also able to sit down and have a full plate of food. I mean, it, it was something that made, made you want to cry. Mm. And one of the important things, too, is by getting them away to another venue, we actually encourage them to turn their cell phones off. And Cubans are very busy. They're very active. Pastors are very busy. Many times they have other jobs as well. But by having a couple of days off, like including that one couple that we met, a pastor and his wife, They'd never had a honeymoon. That's right. 12 years of marriage without a honeymoon. And we were able to give them a two-night honeymoon at $35 a night with all they could eat. Yeah, it was incredible. They came up to you, both of them in tears, saying thank you for doing this as they shared their story with you. And we're so thankful to be taught God's Word that they could go back and share. Yes, I mean, we, we sat down and... He poured out his heart to me about all the, all the struggles, how hard it had been for him in the ministry, how difficult it had been when he got married. They hadn't had a break. They hadn't had a moment to rest. And yet here they were relaxing and, like we said, celebrating their honeymoon together. And it was a time that really refreshed their spirits. I mean, like I said, there were, there were tears, there were embraces, and a lot of gratitude. And it, I mean, I don't want it to sound like we did something for them, right? Charles, it was something that, that God was doing for them. It was something that, that, that ministered to them and ministered to us at the same time. And I should tell anyone listening to us right now, we're outdoors. We have that Lent breeze that we're feeling right now because there's no way we can record inside. And so here we are outside 
We're feeling that Linton breeze. We can't record inside. Noise is, is, is very hard in Havana, of course. We're hearing old cars honk, and we're hearing motorcycles blast. And they even have a taxi cab here, uh, this with a motorcycle called... Yeah, it's called the Coco. Coco Taxi. And they're a little yellow bubble with a taxi driver. They can fit about two people and maybe one suitcase in the back as well. One of the things, Danny, that's so amazing every time I come to Cuba is to see how Jesus reigns and is reigning more and more and more. There's still this revival going on here. Absolutely. Cuba is a, it's a place of revival. You know, in the States, it's kind of easy. It's easy to be a Christian, which means that you don't have to show up to church on Sunday if you don't want to. Nobody's really well, judging you all that well, much, right? Hold on. Some of our listeners on, would disagree on, with that. on Easter Sunday in the United States and Canada, they went to church maybe oh, yes. for once a year. But oh, yes. hopefully they go all the time, yes. But in a country like Cuba, becoming a Christian is a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is an yes. atheistic country. Yes. They've been raised on atheism. And so when someone becomes a Christian, they're making a real decision that changes their lives. They might not be able to move forward in the career of their choice. They might be blocked because they've become religious. And if they're religious, then they don't fit into, into the system. So it's a sacrifice. Everyone that's in church... They're there because they believe in Jesus. If they're in church, it's because they're looking for God. And that's why, I mean, when you go to a church service in Cuba, it feels like a revival service. Yet this is like every Sunday for them. Every time that they meet, it's joy, it's seeking the Lord, it's prayer, it's intense. And we really saw, and I think they captured the heart of Paul. And we'll talk about this in chapter one of Rejoice and Joy in the Lord that comes through in the book of Philippians. But it's so amazing. I know when I've been in other countries with other Christians coming in and they hear the stories of how Satan is at work, like I've been in Haiti and there's voodoo, but here there's Santeria, just as evil, just as ugly. It's a satanic religion with a parallel set of saints. And listening to a couple of pastors today in the depths of the darkness of the worst section of Havana with Santeria, spiritual fruit for Christ was being born. That was a great conversation we had with those two pastors. I wish you all could see the look on their faces as they share these stories of the power of God breaking through to people that have been enslaved in a satanic religion. It's incredible. You're going to hear about this story later, but I just want to tell you that... Yeah, we're going to put what, at least one or maybe more of those pastors on later on this later week. Later on this week, yes. And, and so, like this one that we're going, to, we're going to hear, this person has seen dozens, you know, do, yeah, dozens and dozens of people come to faith in Christ, entire families leaving Santeria because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's really hard for a North American especially. We're on in places around the world like the Philippines. Uh, any of you in the Philippines listening in Manila or beyond would understand more of this. But in North America, it's very hard for Christians to think of demonic possession. And it frightens people from the outside. But these pastors deal with this every day. And in the name of Jesus, they're casting out these demons and people are meeting Christ and it's changing their lives and changing families too. Yes, it's powerful. It's powerful. And I remember something else as we were talking to these 50 pastors and opening up Philippians and 
We also shared an Easter sermon, which most of them will be preaching, of course, and did, did yesterday. Uh, it was so amazing to also catch the flavor of some of the pastors, most of them, the hardship. You know, we've talked about the lack of food and how they were able to have so much to eat. And uh, we were serving them spiritual food as well. But there's also what has been going on, like where we were at this resort, we lost power one night. We lost water one day and they didn't care. No, they don't. They were having a great time. We would have demanded our money back. <laughs> well, Charles, Charles, if you remember, the lights went out and they just started singing. We were across across the road from where, where a lot of the Cuban pastors were, but we started hearing songs of praise, clapping, laughing, guitars playing. I mean, it was such a wonderful thing. And the lights were off. Mm-hmm. And I think the beautiful thing, because I know together we read... Isaiah 52, and, you know, just how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's a lead-in passage to Easter as well. And the suffering servant, which Jesus Christ was, of course, when he went to the cross and then died for our sins. And uh, if there's anything that they can go and share, it's just pointing people to the cross and the empty tomb. And People are still ready to hear that here. Uh, they, they don't have the distractions as much as we would have where we live. We live in such a distracted world, and we live pretty cushy lives compared to everybody here. But the joy that they had in their salvation was something that I take back home with me every time I visit Cuba. It renews my spirit, and uh, it enlarges my heart to share Christ with others. And to just think, you know, there was one church, for instance, that church in that Santeria area. You know, they started out with 80 people five years ago or whatever. They didn't even have a building. Now they built a building. Uh, and at the end of building that building, now they're, they're, they have 300 people in the neighborhood. We also did something else. And we've done this before. It's a way to get people to come. We shared reading glasses and shared the gospel. And uh, we did that with pastors, too, who needed reading glasses so they could see the Bibles that we distributed to them, study Bibles that they had never owned. But the eyeglass evangelism, I didn't know what that was when I first heard about it, but it works. People come wanting glasses. They start reading the Word. Guess what we use for the eye exam, you know? And at the end, they're confessing their sins. And we can hold an eyeglasses event, and we can get 300 people out, and 200 are going to end up with a brand new Bible, and they're going to end up professing faith in Christ. That doesn't happen where I live, Danny. I don't think it happens in Miami, where you live, either. No, not, no way. I mean, the thing is, in the U.S. and in many parts of the world, it's very easy to get reading glasses. You just you go to... The, I go to a Walgreens right. or a CVS or a Rite Aid or something. Anywhere yes. they have reading glasses but and they, they have them in different styles. they $10 or $12 dollars there, right. usually. Yes. That's right. Well, they, they don't get them. The government doesn't provide them. They can't buy them in any stores. Salaries are 30 to $40 a month. A you month. can't just go out and buy yourself a Bible, much less reading glasses, to read the Bible. That's right. But they show up to these events and I mean, it's really incredible to see the joy when they put on those glasses. A lady, a lady hugged me after I found the right one for her. And she said, thank you. I can read the Bible now. Mm. I mean, that meant mm. so much to her. We just finished a few days ago, uh, just before Easter, this conference with 50 pastors. 
And when you get to Philippians 1, if you just read it through, like we had all the pastors get together and they read it through all four chapters, it's only 104 verses. You immediately notice that Paul talks about suffering, suffering for Christ. This is something every single one of those pastors, most in the hurricane last fall, had lost their homes, had lost their churches, and yet there were still smiles on their face because they were rejoicing in the gospel. And Paul talked about that, being in chains for the sake of the gospel in chapter one, didn't he? And, you know, he talks about his chains, but I don't know, Daddy, it just always gets me because there's so many classic verses that we've, both of us have preached from and we've read in our Christian lives. Many of our listeners have as well. And he just keeps coming up with these emphatic things like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I go on living in the body, this will mean uh, this will mean truthful labor for me. And yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's better and more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you to see your progress and to see your joy in the faith. Wow, Amen. that gets to you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, and and I just ended with the word joy there. And of course, I, I mentioned as we opened the program that joy or rejoice in only a little four chapter book of 104 verses appears more times here than in the verb and the noun in Greek than any other book in all the Bible. It's what Christians are to be about. We're to have joy. That's right. And and not manufactured joy. No, we can put it on or whip it up. Yeah, yeah. No, you We can try to do that, but that's not what he's talking about. It's that joy that comes from resting in Christ. And there you said it right there. There are those 37 times in the book, more than any other book in all the Bible, that in Christo, in Christ. I don't know exactly what that is in Spanish you were translating for me, but it's close, isn't it? It's exactly the same. Is it? In Christ. I'm learning Spanish after all today. That's right. Oh, my goodness. How do we find this joy in the Lord? How do we rejoice? How do we grow in our faith? How do we find more of Christ in us? It's this idea of getting on our knees, being in Christ, and Christ through his spirit will give us the joy that we need to carry on. And even though it's better to die and be with Jesus, it's still better to live the life he's given us where he's given us to live it and just serve him, whether it's Cuba or whether it's Dubuque, Iowa, or wherever it is. Even Miami. Even Well, I don't know if I would go that far, Danny, but uh, no, we have listeners in South Florida that are chuckling as they hear us talk right now. You are so right there. What's your takeaway from Philippians after studying it and the two of us together teaching it for two days to these 50 pastors and spouses? Charles, I think that the biggest takeaway from me from Philippians is this idea of resting in Christ. It's as we present our requests before him, as we, as we choose not to be anxious about anything, as it says in chapter 4, but in everything, by prayer and petition mm-hmm. and with thanksgiving, present our requests before God. It tells us the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that is a prayer to close on. I think we should pray, and I think it's important for us to pray 
because it's through prayer, as Paul tells us in Philippians and the Bible tells us in so many other places, God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. So Danny Rojas, Pastor Danny Rojas, would you lead us in prayer right now? Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that you have done so much for us. Lord, when we were helpless, when we were in our sins, Lord, you didn't turn away. You sent your son to die for us. And we thank you that through his death, you've trampled down death. And Lord, by his resurrection, you've made us right with you. And Lord, that you've promised that everyone who believes in you has eternal life, has forgiveness of sins. We thank you for that, God. And even as we thank you for that, we thank you that you've allowed us to come here to this island, Lord, among these beautiful people to preach the gospel, to teach, Lord, the truths of your word that refresh weary souls. Thank you for that. Today we pray for the Cuban pastors and for the, the families that are leading their churches. Father, we pray that you bless them, that you watch over them, that you continue to give them great joy, that you give them perseverance in the face of all of these struggles. We also pray for our listeners. We pray that you comfort them and give them your peace. And Lord, as they hear us talk about this this week, I pray that they would be encouraged in their hearts to believe that God wants to do something great through them as well. Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time that we've been able to talk about these things. We pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I also want to thank Danny Rojas for joining me today and all last week in Cuba. And now I'd like to ask you to participate in what the Lord is doing in Cuba through this crucial gospel ministry. You can do that by making a generous gift at haventoday.org to Haven Spanish Broadcast. We need to raise $65,000 to continue sharing the hope of Christ for the next few months. Would you pray about how you can help in this mission? If you want to hear more content like what you've heard on today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, help us get the word out by leaving us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, Thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.